This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode. That's right, the London is Blue podcast. If you're not tired of us yet, you might be tired of us now because it is another Chelsea summer transfer update episode. And that's right, you can hear a little bit of joy, a little bit of sadness, all the emotions here from Dan, one of your hosts. No, Brandon, who's moving right now, moving Bought a house. Very excited for him and the missus. So it's me and Nick to wade through another crazy day, another roller coaster tycoon of a day for Chelsea Football Club. And Nick, the early part of the week excitement feels so far away today on Thursday, August 17th. Yeah. In the uh, in the group chat, I nicknamed this Day of Sadness. <laughs> and it kind of feels that way to me. I'll be honest with you. It's just uh, yeah, no no uh, good news today, unfortunately. It felt as if, because I woke up and saw the list of tweets that had popped up in the, oh, hey, something's gone on with Elise. Oh, hey, something's gone on with Lewis Hall. Oh, hey, something's gone on with Reese James. And it just didn't feel real to see all of that back to back to back. It was very odd. I didn't like it. Yeah, it was like it was like a Terrence Crawford three punch combo right there. Uh, champion of the world, Terrence Crawford, if you will. But um, yeah, just uh, <laughs> we say quick hits, but they were real hits today. <laughs> yeah, they they were definitely body blows where it counted. And so we're gonna get into some of those quick hits with just a couple of the top stories with. Not a lot of detail behind them, but just the news you need to know. Then we'll get into a deeper conversation around the Elise deal falling apart, the likelihood that Lewis Hall is going to be leaving Chelsea in some type of permanent or semi-permanent matter, and then what we do in terms of replacements for some of the people that we were looking at bringing in, because apparently we still want to go buy a few more players to add to this side, even as we're actively trying to shop a couple of players around, or at least listen to offers but before we get into that we just want to say thank you everybody supporting the podcast it's gonna be a nine podcast week which is very uncharted territory for us so if you can leave a five-star review on apple Podcasts or spotify we would appreciate it. it's a good way to recognize the podcast nick it's it's definitely a record nine podcast week is absolutely insane by the way i think we we must call that out um everyone's working extra hard we hope that you guys are enjoying the content uh, I will do the humble brag for us, Dan, that we've had over 400,000 downloads in the last 30 days. I mean, you, that's a that's a record for us. It's absolutely insane. It's breakneck speed. We know there's a lot of drama, but you guys continue to show up for us. We are so freaking grateful for that. And uh, we're going to keep pumping out the content as long as you keep listening. Yeah, so as long as the earballs are there, we will speak into them through whatever apparatus you're listening to the podcast through or watch you on YouTube where, hey, you can just subscribe for free, get notified, click the little bell, make that happen. We're almost at 28,000. We'd love to hit 30,000 by the end of the month. Uh, tracking there, definitely think we're it's going to happen. And then you also go to patreon.com forward slash London Blue Pod to join in on the action of supporting the podcast and joining in the wonderful Discord conversations that are going on on the regular. But Nick, as we get into these quick hits, so these are short little bits of Chelsea news that came in throughout the day. The first one, Romeo Lavia. We heard he was coming to Chelsea, and then things got real quiet. Really, really quiet. Nothing was happening. There were no posts. Almost too quiet. Almost too quiet. We did see he was in... Chelsea London in HD cuts. 
getting a little bit of a trim up there to get ready for a photo shoot, maybe? My my guy looks fresh. There's no other way to put it. I mean, he got the full shave too. He has a you know, baby face. I mean, he is he is 19 years old after all. Maybe not the full beard quite yet that uh, that I would have necessarily. Uh, but yeah, my my guy got a, a trim up. He looks good. Just uh, photo shoot ready. That's all. Just break out the cameras, folks. Time to go. Come on, speed it up. Well, there. Were- Well, the reporting is that the photo shoot is actually already done and good to go, that the announcement should be happening on the 18th. So that is this Friday, tomorrow, or maybe right now when you're watching this, listening to Mm -hmm. it, that it might have already happened. Lavia will be officially announced as a Chelsea player. The registration deadline is 12 p.m. British time tomorrow. So if that ha- if he has not been announced and registered by then, he would not be available to feature in the match against West Ham this coming weekend. So I would imagine the fact that Pochettino does have his press conference an hour later at 1 o'clock. We will have a very good understanding on what level of involvement Lavia might have. I would imagine bench and no appearance would be my guess. But who knows? Correct. Sometimes crazy things happen. I do think that Moises Caicedo will absolutely play. And given the recent news and some of the other news we'll talk about, probably just falls right into the starting lineup right yeah I, I think i think that is correct i mean you know again we've had such bad luck with injuries and stuff you don't want to press it too much right ahead of um you know what what we hope is a long and healthy career for for romeo lavia and uh, you know the fact that caicedo was in training most of the week you know i don't think he probably trained too hard on monday but uh, he was in there most of the week. Would would probably give you a hint that he is going to uh, be plopped right on the right side of old Enzo Fernandez there, and uh, their partnership shall begin to blossom on Sunday. Well, speaking of injuries, some of the big bummer news of the day was that Reese James is back in the medical tent on the physio table with a hamstring issue. And boy, oh boy, all the excitement about Captain Reese James on the right-hand side of the defense for Chelsea is and has evaporated fully. And so I think there's a real question here about did this or was this handled appropriately in the summertime trying to take care of this repetitive repeat hamstring issue that Reese James has run into? We saw just recently Kevin De Bruyne, same exact thing. He's out for three to four months. The timeline for Reese James is potentially months. It's not a weeks-based conversation. And now you have Deputy Malagusto most likely in the starting position ahead of this weekend against West Ham. The other bit of news too, Nick, same type of issue, less apparently severe, is Trev Chalaba potentially being out for a month due to a hamstring problem that he aggravated this past Monday. So continued issues with hamstrings for some of the players at Chelsea. Obviously, Trev is one to be disappointed about. Anytime there's a Chelsea player who's not able to contribute on the pitch, it's a big bummer. But we do know that he was someone who was thought to be available for sale. And so he wasn't necessarily someone we were factoring in, factoring into the starting lineup. Reese James, you are penciling in as the captain to at least start every match and finish a lot of them. And this one just comes as a massive blow. Yeah. I mean, he obviously came off early uh, against Liverpool. I think we now know that that wasn't necessarily a tiredness. That was an injury. And, uh, I, you know, look, I, 
it's frustrating because we just dealt with this last year with N'Golo Conte, right? Where it's, he was injured in the second game of the season and he basically missed the whole fucking season um, and was never right when he did come on. And, you know, we never got to see vintage N'Golo post hamstring. Reese has had hamstrings, you know, I think, you know, minor ones each of the seasons that he's played with Chelsea. He's, he's always missed a little bit of time. And it's super frustrating because at the end of last year, they could have made a choice, right? They could have made the choice that he was going to, you know, go into something like surgery, which is no easy decision. I don't want to like make it sound like it is and try and get that thing repaired appropriately or try and gut it out, which I think is what, you know, the option that they took. And, you know, if he does have to get surgery now, which, you know, again, if he's going to miss another significant chunk of time, um, you would you would almost just go, hey, let's just fix this thing for real. You know, then it's a huge bummer to the team. I mean, you know, this is your captain. This is the guy that you just picked as as the guy. And, you know, immediately into the season, he's gone. Um, yeah, I worry about him, man. I mean, the best ability is availability, and he hasn't been necessarily available for a couple of years now, and it's a it's a huge, huge bummer. So, uh, you know, you just wish both these guys well as they recover from their injuries. Obviously, we have, you know, long-term injury, absentee, and Broya kind of coming back from the ACL and a few others that have serious injuries like Nkunku uh, and Fafana. Guys are going to be out for a really long time. So it's like... It, Hits just kind of keep coming on the injury front. Chelsea clearly have, you know, the medical department to sort out still. Maybe it isn't fully up and running. And, uh, you know, you just really, really hope, you know, Mallow looked a little nervy on on Sunday when he came on. You really, really hope that, you know, Potch is, is, is ginning him up for a big performance because, you know, on, on his side could be any number of West Ham players. They have a whole new squad this season, it seems. Um, so, you know, let's let's hope that he's ready to go. And, and maybe we're going to play a little bit of that three back again just to give him some protection with, with DeSasi back there. Sure. Could be an option that we consider. There's going to be a lot of questions for Pochettino, particularly about the impact from these injuries to his plans for the weekend and even into the next couple of months. One player who will not be in Pochettino's plans anymore or as a part of the Chelsea infrastructure is Hakim Ziyech, who is going to be making a move to Galatasaray. He's going to Turkey. There were reports that he was getting a medical. There were reports that he failed the medical again. And then there were counter briefs that actually he did not fail the medical. It was fine. The medical was okay. And that he is going to be heading over there on a free transfer. So Chelsea are not going to be in this situation, apparently collecting a transfer fee, but it does mean that Chelsea would save around 5.2 million pounds per year for the next two seasons as Hakim Ziyech has two years left on his contract plus whatever is left of his total value from the original transfer fee. So that one they will eat. So that's a, you know, I think probably around 10 million pounds at, at this point. So you're at least getting half of your money back by not having to spend it on the wages. And this just feels like a move that, Chelsea need to find somebody who's going to accept Ziyech in whatever physical condition he is or isn't. He wasn't able to get it done with Saudi. P PSG weren't able to get it done with him or didn't want to come back 
again this summer after trying to get him in the winter. And so now it's just a matter of find him any home possible. And Chelsea have done that. Yeah, wish him well. I mean, you know, there, there have been some instances where I don't think he was necessarily uh, you know, busting a gut for the club. But I also don't think, you know, this summer he hasn't thrown a fit. You know, he hasn't, you know, gotten his own moves canceled due to his own attitude, uh, like some other players that we know. And, uh, you know, he won a Champions League with Chelsea, and that's going to be on his resume for the rest of his life. And, you know, he was a big contributor to that team, uh, both in the league and uh, in the FA Cup and then in the Champions League, too, um, mostly in the group stages, but but did play a little bit in the knockouts. So, you know, he's a Champions League winner, and uh, we save 5.2 million pounds. Again, you and Naz talked about the wage bill on Wednesday and, and what's happening there. Uh, that thing has been completely remade and, you know, performers like Ziyech off the books, insert high performer X, Y, or Z to take their place and hopefully get up to that level. Yeah. It's nice when you look at the top end and really outside of Raheem Sterling and Lukaku, you've now effectively gotten a cap of 250,000, uh, 250,000 pounds per week in terms of total and just taking it from the 325 down to the 250, I mean, you're at 3.9 million, 4 million pounds per year in terms of wages. And you think about players who are just coming into the side who, like, you know, Moises Caicedo is supposedly, according to Capology, on 150,000 pounds a week, and he'll be making 7.8 million pounds a year. So you effectively, by getting rid of ZS, you almost take care of... 70 some odd percent of the wages that Caicedo is going to be receiving. That's that's great. That's great because you are you're getting rid of players who are not going to contribute and you're offsetting the wages for the new players that are coming in. So these are all good things for and for Dan, Chelsea at the moment. You're forgetting you lower the average age of the squad, you know, which is something that we're desperate to do. So <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're the, hopefully the squad doesn't get ID'd on a uh, on. Yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's the only problem. Uh, drinking in the U.S. might have been difficult for a few of the uh, few of the lads if that was uh, on on order. Yeah, different different situation in the U.K. Uh, but anyway, we're gonna take a very quick ad break and we get back. We're gonna dive into what the f happened with Elise, and then also vent a little bit of frustration around the Lewis Hall situation. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. There is no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. One of the things I love about Indeed is that they make hiring all in one place. It's easy because, well, candidates you invite are three times more likely to apply to your job than candidates who only see it in the search. When you get one step closer to the hire by immediately matching you with a quality candidate, it makes it go faster and when you're looking to hire the quicker you get the right person in the role the better so start hiring now with a 75 dollars sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports that offer is good for a limited time so claim your 75 dollars credit now at indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports just go to indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying you heard about it on this podcast indeed.com forward slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed 
All right, before we get to the Olise stuff, we have to say, go to londonisblue.com slash beehive, or dot beehive.com. That's B-E-E-H-I-I-V.com. That's our newsletter. Sam dropped number two this past Wednesday, and people seem to like it. It was really good. I enjoyed it. Had a chance to talk about the magic of Enzo Fernandez, which is a very, very exciting thing to see, and then also about Nico Jackson and some of the observations he had from the match against Liverpool. So another one coming next Wednesday, but go sign now so you don't miss it. That would be a terrible thing to have happen. Sam, you would disappoint Sam, and that is just, I don't think that's something you would want to do. He, he may be the nicest human we've ever met, so you, you don't want to do that. I mean, disappoint me all you want, but, I mean, don't disappoint Sam. Well, we will try to do that with what we're about to talk about next, Nick. And the first thing is that Crystal Palace, according to Fabrizio Romano, informed club lawyers of their intention to consider going to a tribunal at Chelsea over the approach for Elise. That's how the story changed. As we saw today, Elise signing a contract extension with Crystal Palace good friend of the pause is our Kinsella was talking about Chelsea felt or Chris Palace felt that Chelsea did not meet the conditions of their complex release clause, help them resist and give a new deal to Elise and unclear whether they will take the frustrations further. And Chelsea still insists that they have done nothing wrong. Secret scout who we talked about a couple of times on Twitter has mentioned that they were going to show evidence of tapping up. So it probably was best to leave it. So maybe more, more smoke in this situation, I would say there's two things, right? React to me about your feelings with not getting Elise or not having Elise come into the side. And then secondarily, we could talk about maybe the larger ability to complete a deal. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, I think, you know, we had heard two names for kind of attackers for the last month or so, Muhammad Kudus and Michael Luce, right? And I think we have talked through all the options, obviously Luce being an elite passer, Muhammad Kudus being kind of an all-rounder with a goal-scoring tint to his his resume. Um, it appeared that the club had chosen the passing, you know, and, and maybe Elise would have filled in for an injured uh, Nkunku, which would have been really interesting to see how that works. Um, but the fact of the matter is, that he's injured right now. Um, and, you know, the fact that Chelsea pulled out of these negotiations and then basically, you know, there's a knock-on effect to what we're going to talk about next with Lewis Hall. Maybe the clubs just aren't that close anymore, right? You know, Chelsea used to do good business with Palace. Perhaps Palace are, are you know, thinking that they're above that now. Um, but, you know, that also means that they're, you know, uh, former player of the season is is not likely to go back to them now. Uh, so it's very interesting. I don't know anything about the tapping up uh, allegations. I think that would be incredibly hard to prove in this modern day and age where players text each other all the time. And he was a former academy player and probably knew a bunch of people at the club. I, and, I, may, I, and maybe someone like a brother is at Cobham still in Chelsea's academy. I mean, the worlds are very close in London football in particular. Like there, there is a lot of movement between these academies at a very young age in between these clubs yeah. because they like to stay, you know, players like to stay around family and friends and in areas where they're familiar if they can. And it's just an odd one. I would say I was super excited for what Elise could bring now. It was going to be a situation, though, where he still had time to recover from a hamstring injury. And so maybe 
just in terms of the fact that we now have two players on the team with hamstring injuries, plus the issue with Nkunku as well, maybe you you sober up a little bit on the idea that it wasn't going to help us over this first stretch of games anyway. And so maybe you move on to a target that has a more immediate impact that they could provide or bring in. Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, I started to get myself psyched up about Elise. So just as that happens, of course it gets ripped away from me. Um, but you know, again, you move on. It's very odd that he signed a new deal with palace. Yeah. I'll throw that out there. He didn't have to do that. Um, there weren't any conditions at which, unless they like threatened him or something like there weren't any conditions for him to have to sign a deal today. Um, unless he just wanted to give the club a, a way to get a higher release clause than they originally fucked it up. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a whole weird situation. Frankly, I'm glad we're stepping away from it at this point and need to focus on, on some other options anyway, uh, because we don't seemingly have a second stream goalkeeper or if, maybe a first string goalkeeper. I don't know. So uh, it's odd, but it does bring up Dan. I think something that, you know, we are both concerned about, and this is, you know, probably not just us in the Chelsea universe, which is why some things seem really easy and why some things seem really hard. And the Delta between those things being so wide that it, you know, Chelsea used to walk into crystal palace and just, we like, we would have sent a car to pick up Elise. Like, that's how confident we were that he was coming to Chelsea. It seems like the new structure has really struggled to secure deals, even when there is a release clause, which seems ridiculous to me. Um, So I I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? So if we think about the deals of the summer and just try to look at what's gone easy, what's gone quick. Nico Jackson, very quick. Dissasi, the release clause, extremely quick transfer in able to start in the first Premier League game of the season. That's how quickly it went from being in D.C. and getting it announced right before kickoff to being in the starting lineup for Chelsea. You had Moises Caicedo, which was very long and drawn out. And we had a bit of a challenge getting it across the line. Ugo Chukwu, very easy. Sanchez, seemingly very easy, but also maybe that's just because who the target was. And Nkunku was negotiated so far in advance. I don't think that really counts. And Angelo would be the other one. And that was was very quick as well. So I think it's a mix of some very easy, some a little bit more difficult. I just wonder, because we're now seeing this with this transaction with Crystal Palace, which I would say is a, f- a failed negotiation. It's, gonna, it's not going to show up in transfer market two or three years from now, but you'll remember like, oh, man, remember when we went for Elise? Like, that didn't go well. To me, the concern would be is that we, we do have multiple people trying to get this work done for Chelsea. And, like, I'm not pointing a finger at an individual director because they operate as a, a unit, right? And you're, so, like, you have to criticize the unit of people who are working together to try to get this done is seemingly some things get done really well and easy, some things don't. And I think it leads a lot of questions to how can this infrastructure be built out and be stood up to be, you know, that if you place one person in charge of the negotiations and you transition, there's less of a delta between person a and person b and how a deal gets done yeah i mean i i totally agree with you you win and lose the team right so 
identifying individual X, Y, or Z seems pretty dumb, but it also like part of, part of why I see this as troubling is because Chelsea are probably going to be in the transfer market a lot. <laughs> it no. seems that way so far. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop. There, there I go using logic again, son of a bitch. Um, but I, I just don't like it, reputation is a lot of what goes on in these things, right? Are Chelsea easy to work with, right? Can Chelsea follow through on their word? Will Chelsea pay, you know, over the moon or will they be tough negotiators, right? Like there's a bunch of shit that goes in and it's not just the club. It's the personnel that are working on these deals too. If again, under, under the previous ownership, we would have just sent a car to South London for Elise and picked him up and brought him home. And, and it, not saying that all deals were great because clearly there were huge fucking failures under the previous administration, but not, not a 35 million pound deal going awry that often. You know, it just seems very odd to me. Yeah. Under the previous administration, I would say that it was typically the, we're going to bid. it's the price is right bidding structure where we're going to add a dollar or one pound onto the offer every other couple of days to see if that would open up negotiation, which is why we have Kepa and, or Kepa is a part of Chelsea still, even though he's on loan to Real Madrid and not Alisson. Alisson we ended up getting yeah. Murata instead of getting Lukaku the first time around when he came back to England. Like we just got in our way of trying to be stubborn. And so I, I don't know if necessarily either way of doing it, is better or worse than the other, but the reputational piece in terms of, you know, you had De Laurentiis from Napoli talking about how difficult negotiating with Chelsea was. And like, that is a good thing to be a difficult negotiator when you're in the selling type of situation. I think the challenge is from a, a buying perspective, Chelsea seem like they can get the majority of the buying done. They can get selling done without any issue, which we'll talk about in a second. And and maybe for disregard of some of the con, you know larger considerations or you know, feelings around some of the players that are potentially maybe departing, but this was not the only instance though of Chelsea potentially having criticism from another club when we went after Ugarte, Paris Saint Germain uh, were accusing Chelsea of nefarious tactics. I think there was like some thought around like of investment in sporting. And now look, PSG. I don't think I have a lot of room to criticize anybody. Yeah, look, <laughs> no, perhaps, perhaps I'm going to take PSG's complaint uh, with a uh, the tiniest grain of salt. That's that's is perhaps what I'm going to do. Right, it's not going to have a high weight on the scale, but just as an artifact, just as an anecdote, it is something that is out there. So, just something I think we need to keep an eye on, particularly as we end this window, head into a January window where Chelsea may or may not look to address certain needs that could be something that just needs to get addressed. What is getting addressed, and maybe not in the way that many people were hoping, is what's going on with the litany of left-backs at Chelsea Football Club. We're going to classify them as left-back, because that's why Newcastle are going after them, is that Newcastle and Chelsea have apparently agreed to a deal to sell Lewis Hall to Newcastle United, initial fee around $28 million with the potential for it to go higher. That was reported by The Telegraph first. There was also reporting from Sam Wallace in that piece about how Badadik Bali oversaw the deal. 
original plan was to build his career at Chelsea, just signed that extension, but the club have now decided that the fee on offer was too good to turn down. And Naz added a little bit of extra context later in the day on Thursday, indicating that Newcastle actually want to try to loan with an obligation to buy because they do have some financial fair play considerations as well. I think, Nick, we should just react to it as, wow, as as like what actually how we feel about it. And then we maybe talk through some of like the logistics about like, I don't know, I, I could try to play devil's advocate. It's going to be difficult, but I can at least try. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, this was my primary reason for being called the day of sadness because I really enjoy watching Lewis Hall play football. I don't think he could have done anything more to earn the trust of any Chelsea manager. Uh, he's played under three <laughs> or four, actually. Uh, uh, Tuchel, Potter, Lampard, and uh, I played under preseason for Poch for a, a little bit. He's insanely talented. I think Naz made a really good point on the on the Wednesday pod that Reese James didn't get a Premier League loan at 18. Mason Mount didn't get a Premier League loan at 18. Like the, the uh, like the fact that Palace wanted him on loan and were potentially going to play him for a, in, in a lot this season before all the shenanigans happened is a huge statement to him and his talent. Uh, he has outplayed Kugurea when you know they've been played in the same position, and he's one of our own, right? And I and I get it. Like there are a lot of people out there like fuck it, build a super team all this sort of stuff. You can't build a super team by just adding a bunch of people and hoping that it works out. We tried that before and it's fucking failed. Okay. You build a super team by having guys like Lewis Hall who are come through the Academy, who work their ass off, who are really good footballers and who can support the, the growth of the team, not only with their play, but the fact that we don't have to amortize their transfer fee over a number of years to allow other players that you really want to come in, like an Nkunku, like a Jackson, like a Caicedo, like a Lavia, who can who can play. He can fucking play. Like this is not a bum. This is a really good player who has never even played in his real position at Chelsea in the first team. He's been put out wide or at left center back or at left back because he's left footed, uh, and and it's just. It's really, really disheartening to see this. I understand there's going to be more pain that comes, you know, will likely come in the form of Gallagher and Chalaba as well, uh, two other players that I really like that are part of the fabric of this club. But it is it's just nonsense. I don't understand the short-term accounting win for the, for the long-term pain of another 19-year-old that you sign from a different club whose wages you have to amortize. It feels it feels gross to me, and like especially when you're, I, you can't be sure about Kukurea. It, it's it's bad. So I think a couple of the points you touched on, I do think in general it's not a great feeling seeing Lewis linked to Newcastle and the deal being greenlit. Now, if you're just looking at contribution. So we're just looking at, you know, what Lewis has done at a Premier League level. He has played in nine matches, eight starts, 654 minutes. 
and that has earned Chelsea, after the years of participation in the academy, a twenty-eight million pound fee for the player in a position where Chelsea have two plus one because there's Ian Matson as well, where there are four individuals in the side who could contribute to that space. So I can see the consideration. I'm not advocating for it. I would love Lewis to be the second choice option and let Matson continue to be a very interesting attacking profile solution for us. And I would love, I think Kukreya would be the one that I would move off on. But the finances of his deal make it very incompatible for most teams for a left back who has 45 million pounds left on the transfer in terms of amortization and also 9.1 million in terms of annual contract. Like it, he is, he is a very, he is a expensive, basically the most expensive left back option option that you could try to go after. And Chelsea would have to take a big wash to get rid of him. And I think for whatever reason, we're saying we don't want to take the wash. I think if there was someone who was knocking to take him on loan, they would. But also, if I'm Newcastle, and if I was in Newcastle's shoes, and I wanted a left back, I would go for Lewis Hall. So I see why he he's a, I see why he's attracting interest. I see why he's on the top of list way before Mark Kukurea. I see why Ian Matson is on the list way before Mark Kukurea. And so as much as I understand the situation, like, and I'm, I'm frustrated by it, like, no one is no one is coming and knocking and asking if they could buy Kukurea, which presents a logjam problem for Chelsea. And it it does feel short-termism. It feels like that because Ben Chilwell has previously been injured and could very well get injured again. Like that is something that you have to put in your risk profile. So then it would be Mark Kukurea and Ian Matson. So you effectively say, I think at this point, you probably can't sell Ian Matson in at this point i mean if you're gonna sell lewis hall it was likely to be one or the other and i don't know how you would choose between the two but boy oh boy i feel like it's one where there's enough visibility into how he performs at the premier league level to say you would want to try to develop that and that's that's the real bummer yeah i mean again you know the kukurea thing is crazy because he is both the third choice left back and the third choice left center back at a 65 million pound transfer. And like fleeced does not begin to describe what we, what we got with him um, last summer. And again, here is a lovely guy here that he was obviously had a bunch of uh, personal issues that the club knows about that has kind of set him back in his, his development and stuff like that. Of course he's had the good odd moment, but man, you know, if if we could have just been patient last year in the window and trusted Lewis Hall, we would not be in this moment. And uh, it, it really, really, really breaks my heart because I, I think, again, if you look at the profile, he's a guy that can do so much for you, was, was not afraid to take people on, was not afraid to put a dime of a cross into a striker who couldn't finish it last year. Like, it is... It's really sad, and you know, again, it's going to be disheartening to see so many other young players go because we have to make up for past sins. 
Yeah, and you would just hope that as we continue to evolve, we talked about the negotiation, that we continue to find ways to show a pathway. I actually think a season under Pochettino playing would increase Lewis Hall's value even further. But that's just that's just me guessing at like what potentially could happen for someone of his, his performance level. But I mean, you're right. If Chelwell gets hurt and you sell Matson and Hall and you're left with just Kukurea, that is not where you want to be. Levi Colwell, left back experience. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> or a permanent back three move for the remainder of the season. Look, we're going to take our very last ad break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the considerations and the names we're hearing linked to Chelsea after the Olise deal went awry. So stay tuned and we will be right back. With the busy fall season just around the corner watching endless amounts of Premier League football, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for jam-packed days. Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, can help you fuel up fast with chef-prepared, dietitian-approved, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, you'll eat well, and you'll stay on track with your healthy, healthy lifestyle. You can refresh your healthy habits without missing a beat because you can choose from over 34 weekly flavor-packed dietitian-approved meals ready to eat in two minutes. If you're too busy running around during the day to think about lunch, keep your energy up with the lunch to go. Effortless, wholesome meals like grain bowls, salad toppers that are ready to eat when you're on the go. No microwave required. So head to factormeals.com forward slash London is blue 50 and use code London is blue 50 to get 50% off. That's code London is blue five zero at factormeals.com forward slash London is blue five zero to get 50% off. Nick, I know this is dropping on a Friday, but we have at least one more podcast coming out this week. It is going to be a Lavia player special with the man who I don't know where he finds time to sleep. Sam, CFC Central. It's about it's about time he started working again. I mean, please. He, he had 30 minutes off. He's fine. He's fine. He's, all he does is watch tape. That's what he does. Crab cakes and football. That's what Sam does. No, no, we, we don't treat them like Marvel VFX workers. Come on. Like, this is not the situation <laughs> oh, that, we're, that we're in here. Sam does get uh, does get a fair amount of rest, and he's taking the weekend off. So good for him. He'll enjoy that. But look, Chelsea are looking at backup options for Elise after missing out on the player that they had earmarked, that they had wanted to go after. Uh, Nick, we do have to just say, before we get into the names, kudos to West Ham. The dream is over. The dream is dead. Sorry. Day of sadness, Dan. Day of sadness. He's going to be fucking great there because he's a really great player, and I wish he was at Chelsea. I just hope that it looks like I would imagine the medical and the deal don't get announced uh, before the deadline for the Friday match uh, match deadline. So we most likely do not see him. Maybe we'll see him in the box on Sunday, but I doubt we will see him on the pitch against Chelsea. So the names, though, that Chelsea are linked with, the first one... Brennan Johnson inspiring a ton of excitement across the fan base for <laughs> this player from Nottingham Forest who would be a forward profile for Chelsea. And Chelsea, according to Naz, have had talks with the club, the club first, not the player, to see if they could get something done. But there would be competition from Brentford and potentially Tottenham. So... There's lots of excitement potentially for this move. <laughs> I see what you did there, Dan, and I appreciate it. Um, he didn't even start for Palace at the end of last year. Sorry, Palace. I have Palace in my fucking head now. He didn't even start for Forest at the end of last year. 
Um, and so that, that was Morgan Gibbs White who played his ass off for Forrest and, and kept them up. Um, I, I, I understand he's fast. Again, my issue with fast is that Chelsea are a ball-dominant team. Uh, we had 63% of the possession against Liverpool, uh, who are also a ball-dominant team. And fast doesn't mean anything in tight spaces. Uh, fast is really good when you're a counterattack team. Um, you know, just don't spend the money and just play Matawake. How about that? Or, or, or keep Matson. play Matson. you know? How about that? All things to consider when you look at Johnson's contribution. So last season in three total competitions, 43 match, 44 matches played, 37 starts, just over 30, just under 3,300 minutes with 10 goals, three assists in total. So that was 0.27 goals per 90, 0.08 assists per 90, so 0.35 uh, goal plus assists. Now that was down from the prior season in the championship where he had scored 17 goals and 10 assists registered. So maybe you're betting that he needed a season to acclimatize. That might be how you're framing this consideration. Though I think the thing we should keep in mind, and this was the reporting from The Athletic, was that Brentford... They went to 30, they went up to 35 million pounds and got rejected. So Forrest are apparently insisting on that 50 mark. Apparently, there's some belief that you get him for 40. I think they the very interesting comment that you made with Gibbs White. Like, if you were gonna go after someone at Nottingham Forest, why wouldn't you go after him? Like he's got a way better attacking skill set and profile for what. Chelsea may or may not want to do or how Chelsea may or may not may want to play like that would be um, I don't know I don't think I think there's there's a more interesting player there or you could go after Mohamed Kudus a really good player all right well let's talk about another player who you actually could go after Bradley Barcola from Ligue 1 that's right Plays for Lyon, who apparently won around 50 million euros. So now it's back in our back in our sweet spot of a budget to execute on a player transaction. And love a reports, love an exchange rate, don't we, Dan? We just love it. We, we do, we do. Now, this is another situation though where PSG have been hovering for some time. They do want to get a deal done. And reports though that Fabrice Hawkins and RMC Sport were indicating that. Actually, Chelsea have started to intensify and maybe in the pole position for the player. Now, interesting enough, give you some give you some thoughts about him first, and then you can react because I, I gave you radars too. I gave you all the data so that you can feel like at least you didn't even have to go to YouTube. You didn't have to listen to terrible EDM tracks. I got you. I got you covered here with some data points. Was the fastest? One of the fastest. One of the fastest, one of the fastest in the top five leagues in Europe at age 20. Um, yeah, so he was uh, one of the fastest players in his age group, actually the fastest player in his age group across all of Europe's top five leagues last season. So very impressive there. And then Sam did some free tweets for everybody, just gave them away. 
no subscription on his Twitter profile. <laughs> he did indicate that if he had earmarked players primed to explode this season or next, Barcola would be close to the top of the list, can play left wing, right wing, has even featured in a front two, skillful, ridiculously quick, over short and long distances, and is a major threat around the bra. The box is still raw in some aspects and will require consistency when it comes to his decisions with the final ball and how to be more a, more of a creative outlet out wide. Imagine he'd be on the same tier as Lavia if he comes in, not quite a starter, but ready to push for the wing slots. And then he does postulate that maybe we should wonder why we bought Angelo and Morera if we knew they wouldn't be ready this season. It can't be ours to hear the best will stay, we'll sell the rest. Without Saudi Arabia, we'd still have 100 million pounds plus of Deadwood to move. I don't like to argue with Sam when he's right, Dan. So um, I, I think all of that is is valid. I mean, again, obviously Chelsea are trying to get younger and quicker. He is obviously those things. Uh, he takes more. He basically is better in all aspects uh, than Brennan Johnson with a, a 500 less minutes in the in the radar here. The only thing that Johnson beats him at is turnovers <laughs> um, and and shots. And so, you know, this is this is something for me as we look at who the, who is still on the squad. Unless there is another winger potentially that is going to be moved, you have Matawake, you have Mudrik, you have uh, Raheem Sterling, um, and I. You can't. You're not going to play them all all at once. You have Matson, right? So, and you still haven't moved Marrera uh, on loan yet. So, I don't know. What are we doing? Yeah. the The biggest concern to me is that with both of these players, it still leaves us light in terms of the number of shots that we're going to create a game. And so, when you look at it, like shot creating actions are the precursor to actually getting a shot on target to then actually scoring a goal. Like the way that the, you know, the, the funnel gets down, right? Shot creating action gives you an opportunity to great, you know, take a shot. That shot can either be one that's on target or off target. So the fact that they're both a little low volume in terms of total shots, so 1.3 per 90 for, for Barcola and then 1.8 for Johnson in terms of total shots. Now, that's not their shots on targets. This is their general shots. That is not great considering the biggest threat to helping us level up this year is Christopher Nkunku, who is not available at the moment. And so if it's not going to be these guys in terms of high volume – that is probably where maybe there's a little concern. Again, you're, I think you're hoping for any of these players that you buy to see if they will level up quickly in this system and with this apparatus and with Enzo getting to play a little further forward with Caicedo coming into the team. Maybe there is some magic that starts to develop there. But with both of the names, I would say Barcola is probably more exciting of a player, more exciting of a profile, but neither necessarily fills you with maybe the same, I don't know, personally like confidence that I would have had with Elise. Uh, yeah, I, they're, they're far less proven. Right. And I, I think to me, you have, you have Matawake. I want to see him play. Right? You have, you have Sterling who's on big money. Who's probably going to play. You have Mudrik. You have, Chukomeka, you like 
we need a backup goalkeeper. We, you know, like we took care of the midfield. We, we don't know if we need another goal scorer or not. Like, I, I think there's just, again, just buying speed for speed's sake seems good. And that's not all he does, obviously. Right. But I think that's a main, that's an attribute that, that, uh, Chelsea have clearly targeted in, in all these windows that are quick players who can advance the ball in a very quick and physical Premier League. So I understand the reason for that. It just, uh, yeah, like you got, you got, you got dudes on this team now. Like we're not lacking for dudes. We have, we have plenty of guys who can fit a profile. Don't spend recklessly, spend smart and utilize the talent that you have coming through the academy. That's all I ask. Well, that is Nick's recipe for success. And hopefully someone listens and just, you know, puts those ingredients together and throws in the oven, sees what happens. But that's going to do it for this episode because uh, we're ready to eat. You know, we're ready to go do other things at this point in our evening. So, you know, thank you for sitting along and hanging out with us on another crazy day of Chelsea news, particularly as we're one day closer to the weekend and we're one day closer to Chelsea taking on West Ham, going away, wearing the away kits for the first time this season and hopefully picking up three points. Yeah, I will say I've warmed on the away kits. I think the black and blue is is a pretty nice look. I uh, I think that may be my preferred option because I hate the freaking neckline on the on the home kit. I absolutely hate that weird ass shape that's on the neckline. It drives me insane. So away kit might be it for me, Dan. Well, with that little bit of Nick's fashion quarter in the books, we're going to call it for this one, ladies and gentlemen. But that is it for us. We hope you're staying safe and stay well, enjoying the content. Let us know what you're thinking. Leave us comments. Send us an email. We'd love to hear how you're enjoying these episodes, particularly on a nine-pod week. But that's going to do it for us. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep a blue flag flying high.